Welcome back to the Velo Chumps podcast, everybody. We have an exciting show from a Chumps perspective tonight. Right now, oh, we got Ryan in the house. We started without him and he just joined. So, Ryan, you want to say hi right off the cuff? Hello. Hello. We have Chad Locker. How you doing tonight? I'm I'm doing good. Fantastic. Mike Green. Yo, what up? How you doing? I'm doing well. And once again, Randy Nicewanger in the house. Randy, where are you? Can you tell us where you are? Hey, hey, I am in uh, beautiful western New York, Buffalo, New York airport right now. That's how dedicated I am to you guys to make sure I was on three weeks in a row. That's fantastic. I mean, you're about to get on a plane, so we might lose Randy in the middle of this episode, but that'll depend on the efficiency of Southwest in the Buffalo airport. So are they? Uh, we'll see. We'll see how we go. Are they uh, plowing the runways right now, Randy, or what? About four inches of snow on the ground. We're good, though. It's a heated runway, so we're, we're okay. <laughs> the, uh, the Bills did all right today, huh, Randy? You were excited about that. Pretty happy. I'm sporting my Josh Allen jersey as we speak. I'm awesome. Not, uh, not upset about the job that they did. Awesome. They work. About time so, the D showed up. So speaking of people that did well, quick update after our last podcast. Sepkus did manage to win the Vuelta. Woohoo! Cheering for that, right, guys? Yeah. That was exciting. Um, obviously, we are not going to be a race analyst podcast here. You can find better people than us for that. But I don't know. I want to hear your opinion. Did did any of you watch the the podium presentation? Because it was pretty cool to a hear the U.S. national anthem at a bike race. Don't get to hear that very often. And B, see that Sepp Kuss actually sang the national anthem, which I guess is not normal for most countries. And everyone else was looking at him like he was nuts. So that was actually pretty cool. Did anyone else catch that? I, I, didn't. I, I didn't. I watched I it. Didn't. And he also gave two speeches, one in English, one in Spanish. Yeah, a man of many talents. He's a domestique that can win grand tours and he can speak Spanish. To Eric's point, though, we are not a racing analyst podcast. However, I do need to know how many picnic tables Randy broke today. <laughs> one for one for every defensive um, play that uh, resulted in a touchdown. So sadly, only one. But maybe next time. <laughs> that's how it works. That's the story with those things. That's, or for that's you. how I work. Yeah, okay, good. Okay, I'm good. on a budget. I'm on a budget. It's <laughs> awesome. I didn't check though, but did is Jumbo selling the the t-shirts, the Coos for GC yes. that have all three of the Grand Tour color bands on yep. it? That participated in that's a cool shirt so they do jumbo is selling the gc cruise t-shirt and i was all ready to buy one and then i looked at the website and then it was the shirt itself was 40 euros i'm like eh, it's kind of steep 50 dollars ish for a t-shirt kind of steep but you know this is pretty exciting sep chris won the vuelta that's pretty cool i think i'm gonna do it anyway so i put it in my cart and then I went to the checkout, and then it listed the shipping. 37 euros for shipping. So now I'm up to close to $100 for a t-shirt. And I was like, F that. It's not that cool. I'm not spending $100 on a t-shirt. You Come on. If you were at a Taylor Swift concert, it's the same price for a t-shirt there. So it's, it's equal. Which, but, you know, Chad, I, I just want to put in, I just want to point out one thing. That's a surprise coming from Eric because he is one of those investors in the cycling um, yep. gear. And that typically, and his, his, his taste is not cheap. He is yeah, Rafa, for sure. He, he is the Rafa um, extraordinaire out of the group and he has a pretty, pretty decent collection. That's true, but it was not a Rafa t-shirt. It was just a run of the mill t-shirt that said GC Coos. And uh, yeah, I wasn't spending $100 on it. Sorry. Anyone else? You can probably go buy it. I'm sure if you go to the Jumbo Visma website right now, you can have one of your own for about yeah. roughly $100. If you probably wait a week, they should probably be on sale at that yeah. price. You can, yeah, they're they're on redbubble.com. <laughs> yeah, that's the unofficial one. You know what, You don't know what you're getting with that, Mike. Probably a better quality shirt that you know that fits. <laughs> probably the one you get from the team. Right. They have, they have one they, on Redbubble uh, that shows... Uh, Kuss uh, chugging that champagne bottle. That looks good. Oh, that, that'd be actually be pretty cool right there. You out, Randy? Looks like Randy's I'm, boarding his plane. I am. I'm out, oh, guys. Have fantastic. A good, have a good chat. Well, have a good flight. 
I actually don't think you were going to want to talk that much about this, the topic, the the topic we were going to talk about. So we appreciate I, you coming on for the introduction, Randy. Thank you. I will. Be, I'll be sure to follow up with the exciting discussion that ensues here on those Shimano Halifax. I'm really yeah, man. That, so. Yeah, man. Thank you. A All right, for yep. So. Randy just uh, talked about the topic we are going to talk about tonight. I mean, we'll see how far. I, I can imagine we talk about this for a while and we won't get to any other topics. But as you know, we've had a significant recall notice. So so um, how about either Mike or Ryan, the SRAM people of the Velo Chumps, why don't you, one of you tell us, What's going on with this recall that that Randy just alluded to? And give us the details. I'm not I'm not going to go to Chad first because Chad certainly has biases in this area. So I'm going to go to one of the Shram guys first. Wh- which one of you wants to take this and give us the lowdown on what happened here? All right, I'll go. Mike I'll Green, you going to take yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. All right, Mike. So from what I understand, the Ultegra Endura Ace uh, crank sets, which are the, the highest end side of Shimano. Uh, the way they build them, they're, it's not necessarily a solid piece of material, so they've got to use some kind of adhesive to uh, you know, close these things up when they manufacture them. And that could be coming loose after some time. So this is, it looks, I think it was uh, crank sets manufactured before 2019. Um, but it's not necessarily clear that it's failing um, and it's not necessarily easy to inspect, you know, that I saw the videos that, um, were on the websites or the, the proper inspection and they removed the whole crank set, both sides. And you can't just look in a couple areas. It's basically the perimeter of the entire crank on both sides, as well as the inner sides with the spider and, um, or where it connects to the chain ring, et cetera. So, and not only that is it. And, and I'm curious what Chad or Eric has to say in a couple minutes about this, but to me, it still seems like it's a little bit objective because, you know, if, if you run your finger over it, or I think they suggested, you know, using whether it was a Kleenex or material or something like that, you could rub it over and see it gets snagged. You know, what's considered a bad, um, you know, crank set. So I know some of them will probably be more obvious than not, but uh, Chad and I saw the numbers and, I think it was affecting like less than 0.05% of everything that was made before 2019. Um, But the scary thing about this is, is that there are injuries and who knows if those are being blown out of proportion or if those are people chasing some cash from Shimano, but uh, there are some broken bones and some other minor injuries that are associated with these. So, um, you know, some people are suggesting ride it until it fails, but um that is a little bit scary if you're going to lay down power going downhill or something and um, something could give way or fall apart. Ryan, want to fill in any gaps there that I missed? Um, well, I know I talked a lot of trash this week on this, but <laughs> other, other than how the recall was handled, I actually don't have a problem with this. Like it's a wear item um, if you ride your bike enough, you're going to have to replace your cranks anyway, among other things. Um, I feel like just like with any other hobby or transportation device, like things will break eventually. Um, so I don't really have so much of a problem with, you know, the manufacturing defect or whatever you want to call it. I do have a problem with the way that the recall was kind of rolled out though. So it takes a step back there. Um, are cranks really a wear item? I mean, they don't really have any moving parts. Uh, I mean, it, they're just the, rotating the around the axis. The teeth will wear out eventually. Yeah, yeah but that's the chain I mean, ring, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, in theory, if you ride your bike 100,000 miles, maybe a two-spec crank will sort of be worn out at that point. I don't necessarily think a crank itself is a wear item. I don't think most cyclists think of a crank itself as a wear item. Of course, the chain rings are, but that's why chain rings are replaceable. Unless you have a force power meter crank set. But, you know, besides that, you know, chain rings are generally replaceable. And um, I don't know that it's, to your point, Mike, that it's a wear item. But I do concur, Ryan, that the way that this 
recall was handled by Shimano was pretty much terrible. Pretty much terrible. So um, just a quick clarification, Mike. Yes, before 2019, but after 2012. So prior to 2012, I I guess Chad, the historian here, will tell us. I guess they weren't really holotech prior to 2012. And from 2012 to 2019, date date codes, those are the ones that had the potential epoxy issue where it was separate. The hollow, the hollow pieces were separating from each other that potentially is causing this problem, which is now creating what Mike just said is a very, very objective or I'm sorry, subjective inspection where the person that's inspecting the cranks has to just sort of look at it and make a judgment call. Is this okay or not okay? That's sort of to your to your point, Mike. It's not necessarily the best, not obvious. Like this is exactly what you're looking for. It's like you're looking for a sign of. Well, what does that mean? We're not really sure. I would, you know, you'd like to think that bike shops are equipped to handle this, but as we have talked about many times on this show, we're a little bit suspicious of the mechanical aptitude of many people in many bike shops. So does that mean that certain bike shops are going to be able to find these things better than others? I would say yes. And if you happen to take yours to one that may not be as proficient at finding this issue, does that put you at risk? I mean, I don't know if I'll say at risk, but does that put you at risk of riding one of these cranks? Yes. So the whole, like like to Ryan's point, the whole thing is uh, quite disappointing. I'm curious, but, I'm curious too, if you go to a shop that you didn't buy your bike at, and you bring your bike in for inspection and they inspect the cranks. Number one, are they going to, are they going to bill you for labor? Um, they've got, no, take the, this is know. free, but then because but, they are Shimano is paying for that. Okay. So yeah, that's like, but that was my question. That's what I was going to ask is, but so yes, the consumer won't have to pay for the labor, but is Shimano reimbursing them for the labor? Cause in that case, I think a lot of shops may be very quick to say, Oh, yep. This cranks affected if they're going to make, you know, 40 bucks or whatever it is off of each replacement. Well, allegedly Shimano is paying them. And I've heard that from dealers and I've heard that from various reporting on the issue. I don't know the details of that. I'm not a Shimano dealer. I'm not a official professional mechanic that would get reimbursed for such an inspection. I generally get paid in whiskey, not in cash. So I don't know how that Shimano can't work that out for me. Chad's but, been sitting here patiently. But waiting. yes, I think we should get now. Chad I'm really ready to hear Chad, Mr. Shimano. Now, to be fair, I have I only have Shimano in my in my stable as well. But I'm going to let Chad, Mr. Shimano, take the mic here and uh, let us know what he's thinking. Uh, there's so much. There's so much. <laughs> so there's a couple of things. So so first, I don't. When you say Shimano has rolled out like a terrible recall i i honestly don't know that i've actually even seen the shimano recall yet itself but what i have seen is everybody in the bike industry wanting to jump on this and push it into my feed that you know there's this disaster of cranks and we're all going to die for riding shimano <laughs> Ultegra or Durace. and i'm not and then the number of people who have sent me ims or text messages they are concerned mm-hmm. they're, they're faulty they are going to die it's like, hold on, calm down. I mean, I, th- I think this isn't an, and then when they call it a recall, I don't, is that actually the right term for it? Yes. Because the way, I, the way I seem to kind of understand it is it's not as if it's a one for one. So it's not as if Eric, you and I are going to go to the bike shop, hand over our Dura-Ace crank sets that we have and in, in, in you know, and they're just going to hand us back a brand new crank set. In my mind, that's like a full recall this is more like kind of like when your when your car has something that might be faulty you take it in you know like oh your seatbelt latch is not working on your camry you, you take it in they look at it they look at the inspection codes and say it could have been infected they look at it and go oh no yours are fine and they send you back on your way i i kind of think that's what's going on here with the cranks like if you don't have a creaking issue or you don't seem to have any visible signs of a defect your crank is going to go right back on your bike and that's going to be that however what were the numbers, Mike? I think when you and I ran it, at least that was reported by Shimano through, I think it was some of the websites. It's somewhere around 4,500 cranks. or They've known about the issue on at least 4,500 out of something like three quarters of a million cranks. And I think when you do the math, it's like a it's like a 0.6% fault rate. 
failure no, no. rate that, that's documented at this point? No, no, no. That's not yeah, the number. Yeah. No, no. You're right. It's it's a very very small. It's less than one percent for sure. It's a very very I, small number. Zero five. I don't even. I don't honestly. I don't know how that correlates to other failure rates for consumer products like car tires. Do car tires have a? You know, someone told me 0.2 is the number for car tires versus 0.6. I just I don't know. I know when I go down the expressway, I see a lot of blown up semi truck tires. So I think I got a greater concern in my life for semi truck tires than I do for. Durace cranks, but my fear is that this is now causing what I sort of call the internet false phenomenon where, oh, you have a bike with a press fit bottom bracket, it's going to fail. And you're never, you're going to throw your bike away because you'll never get rid of that creaky press fit bottom bracket, which I've owned lots of press fit bottom bracket bikes and I've never thrown one away yet. And I've always <laughs> remediated the bottom bracket. So, and to be honest, like only one of them ever had like the creaky known bottom bracket issue that came from the factory. And I fixed that pretty easily and the bike's been glorious to this day. I mean, other things have died on the bike, but not the bottom bracket. Mm -hmm. So I don't want people who have a Shimano bike to, well, my bike's creaking must be the Shimano crank has died and I have to take it in or else I'm going to wreck and injure myself. I think that's maybe a bit of an extreme stance at this point. I, I, I think if your bike is making a creaking issue, it's probably not the Shimano crank. It's probably something else. And to be honest, even if you're press fit, it's probably not your press fit bottom bracket. I, nine out of 10 times, I find it to be something else when I work on somebody's bike. <laughs> it's not one of those two issues, which the internet just loves to point at those two. So yes. I, I kind of feel it. like, calm down. Like, let's let's take a breather here. Yes. You, you're, you're probably not riding on a grenade if you own an Altegra or a Durace um, crank set. And I, I think the term holotech actually doesn't apply to the crank arms. I think it's to the bottom bracket design because there's a tube um that runs through that so whether you can have you don't have to have hollow crank arms to have a holotech crank right like tagra or those are solid crank arms holotech is the spindle that runs through with that plastic retention cap that uses the the shimano outboard bottom bearings right Mm -hmm. from that way so i think holotech refers to the spindle itself not the design of the crank arm and and so that let's let's alleviate that. So I right. think all and, modern Shimano cranks are holotech, right? At this point, right? And and to be clear, this does not affect 105. Does not affect anything lower than that. Sora Tag or Claris, none of those things. So um, that's very um, you know we we have people that are not even on Altegra and Dura Ace that are concerned that their Shimano crank might be a problem when of course it's not even part of the the voluntary recall. So this is a voluntary recall, Chad. It is titled it is called a voluntary recall by shimano and the cpsc cp whatever consumer so, product safety whatever cpsc so, so it's not a like there's some recalls in the industry that are like so onerous it's like a stop ride immediately yeah yeah this is not a stop ride this is an inspect and then determine the but again so it's an inspect and determine like you said I will say that my challenge with that is that I don't feel like the inspection from what I've seen, I've seen the dealer video that explains how to do the inspection as a dealer. It's very detailed, but at the same time, it leaves a lot up to the interpretation of the individual mechanic that is checking all of those bonds. It it very clearly explains all of the places where the bonding could be failing. Okay. Very clearly, but it's very much, up to that individual to determine is this a potential issue or not right and i think that's one of the that is one of the challenges going back to mike's point but i I do want to bring up a couple points here so i 100 percent agree with everything you said chad in terms of it's being overblown and should we worry about this and and the, the short answer is probably not you probably shouldn't worry about it if you're riding a shimano crank and me personally i'm riding a shimano crank and um i'm sorry cranks multiple have multiple affected of these cranks and you know what i did today i rode 90 miles on a potentially affected crank that i haven't bothered to do the inspection myself on yet because i'm just not that worried about it and i didn't die so that's great you know that's great news i rode 90 miles and didn't die and didn't hear any creaks and didn't hear have any other problems with my bike the other thing i will agree with you 100 percent, chad is that there are there's a lot of concern about this in our local um uh facebook group page for for bikes we have um three posts. some person posted three separate articles three separate articles about this particular issue and you have a lot of people that are you know understandably concerned 
because they read these things and it's like, oh, Shimano called, recalled all these cranks. Of course, you hear that. You think, oh, my gosh, this is a problem. Just like you said, Chad, people are probably concerned out there. They're texting people like me. They're texting people like you, like, what should I do? Am I going to die? It is creating that sort of a scenario, right? So that's all of that is true. And to go back to what Ryan said, I do think that Shimano handled this poorly. Maybe not even just, I don't even know if they handled this specific recall poorly, because I don't think if you have a situation where it's not an imminent failure situation, I don't necessarily know if Shimano did anything wrong in terms of what they did in this recall, because... I mean, replacing all these cranks would just be wasteful, to be honest with you. The majority of them are fine, right? So we know this. The majority of them are fine. Just coming in and replacing all of them would be, it's not the best thing for the for the sustainability. It's not the best thing for the bike industry. There's a lot of reasons why it's not necessarily the best thing. You should be able to trust your bike shop that they can inspect it and tell you if your crank that you're riding on is safe. I think there's a problem there. I think that's a fundamental problem with the bike industry now that a lot of people don't trust their bike shop to determine if something is safe or not. But I don't necessarily have a problem with what Shimano did this week of September of 2023. What I have a more bigger problem with Shimano is what they've done in the past four or five, six, seven years that everyone has known about this. And I will also take a step back and say, I a little bit would even blame the quote-unquote cycling media that is now everybody's putting a big article out there with pictures of broken cranks on the, you know, on the splash landing page of that article or on their website, and that's the that's the big thing is a, a separated Shimano crank. Everybody's known about this. The bike industry has known about this for years. Shimano has known about this for years. And everybody in the bike industry and everybody at Shimano is more or less said, oh, it's not that big a deal. Oh, it's not that big a deal. I mean, the bike industry has made big deal about it to some extent. They've reported on it, but they haven't gone out there and said, you know what? This is serious. You need to stop riding your bike, Shimano. We need to force Shimano to do something. We're going to report on the fact that these cranks have a separation issue. There's a risk to riding them and you need to fix them. That's not what they did. That's not what happened. Everybody who's been riding these cranks, with this being known to the cycling industry at large, now all of a sudden there's an official recall announced and everyone thinks they're going to die. That's the so, part I don't like. So I want to I want to revisit that argument of yours here in one minute. I want to take a step back to your prior statement where you where you kind of said you have issues with Shimano and the bad recall. Again, I mean, they had to at least start somewhere with notifying the bike shops, which I don't even know how this got out initially, right? Did they call the media and tell everyone, hey, this is a recall for their cranks? Or did they probably run it through their dealer network? Journalists picked it up and then, you know, the internet does the internet thing right. and they have run with it. So, I mean, I, I was on a ride today with my buddy who works at the bike shop and, right, he's got customers running in the door or at least one with a crank. And he's like, what am I to do with this? We, we were told like, this is coming from Shimano. But they don't have anything to do with it yet because I don't think the recall becomes active until October 1st, right? Shimano has to get their ducks in a row with how they're going to process these things. So I, I kind of feel like the media telling everyone rip your bikes apart and run to your bike shop was a bit premature because I don't think the message from Shimano was actually meant for the general consumers. Again, if you're saying this was a, you know, in more of like an inspection recall, like if you're having mm -hmm. an issue, we'll go ahead and, and do that. So what did you want them to do? Wait even longer to no, not... No. I actually, what I'm saying is I don't actually have a problem with the way that they, this specific recall came out in September of 2023, because it's what they had to do. They had to say, hey, we need to, to do this. I will say that I do know that some people that worked in local bike shops here have already done the inspections and the inspection video is out there on the Shimano dealer website. So, you know, if you're a Shimano dealer, you can get onto a specific Shimano portal that you only have access to if you're a dealer the inspection video is out there. So your buddy that works at the bike shop should actually be able to, if assuming they're an official Shimano dealer, should be able to do the inspection and determine if the crank is affected. I've seen the video. It even tells you how to initiate a return, what you specifically need to do if there is a subjectively what you think is an issue found with that crank. 
to initiate getting the, the the replacement. But then if it says if you don't find any of this stuff, tell the customer, just go ahead and ride your bike. It's fine. Again, I don't really have a problem with what they did this week. This is probably what they but I guess my point is this is what they should have done in 2019 or earlier. They should have acknowledged this was an issue. They should have done this back then. They should have corrected their pro- their manufacturing process, which they did, and not waited four years or five years or six years to do what they're doing today in 2023. That's my point. So when they corrected their production process, it was they moved on to 12 speed because I, I don't know if you check the date codes, Eric. It's every single R9100 crank that's ever been made. If you have one, I, you have to have a number that hit it. I don't no, think you have one I have did. I have S number Ultegra cranks in my garage right now. 11 speed. Ultegra. I think every single 9100 was affected by it. You'll literally say that as I had one of the last ones ever made out in my garage. And it's, mm-hmm. that, that's, the, that's the last date code they have where they issue for it. So anyway, but I, so that'll bring me to the other topic of the pictures of all of these failed cranks. And I now know of one that has failed locally. And mm-hmm. these are not cranks that lived a good life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me put it that way. So these, I, I would I would tend to suspect that the vast majority, if not every single one of these cranks that has failed, has probably lived in either an incredibly sweaty, salty, winter road grime brine environment. Because I don't think I've seen a picture of one of these cranks yet, because they always show like the split halves and the inside of the crank. And it's it's nasty, right? And mm-hmm. why why is it nasty? It's been ingesting salted water or corrosive water, right? Of something, whether it's sweat, whether it's a person, so I, I don't know what I'm what I'm guessing is the epoxy is probably fine, but the failure method at the bond is probably the aluminum of the crank arm has uh, whatever has gotten on there has probably eaten away the anodization and then has just ate the aluminum away and then you know that's going to fail at the bond joint now. So I don't I don't think it's probably the epoxy that's dying because if you have a Durace crank you can see this it's a clear mm-hmm. um, when you look at the bond joint it's a rather thick bead. At least what we can see, right? A thick bead of epoxy. I don't think it's actually like a, a one millimeter epoxy joint, but yep. that's how you can see. So somehow they're they're sandwiching the two halves together with epoxy and then machining it smooth where that epoxy bead sits. And then they probably do the anodization after. I mean, I'm, I've not been to Shimano's Japan factory to see how it's done. Some sort of similar process is done for Altegra. But now if you recall, the Altegra crank, at least the right side arm, which I think it's the drive side one is affected, stayed in production a little bit longer than Dura-Ace did, right? Because they've made 11 speed for a little bit a little bit more because they had all the mechanical bikes that were sold. But I'm pretty sure if you had a DI2 bike, it was probably a, a susceptible crank, right? Because it would have been in that in that production zone, right? Because around COVID is when they quit making 11 speed, I think, right? Isn't that when 12 speed kind of came out? I'm not sure of the exact date of when that occurred, but I, I would guess that these bikes have been ridden hard and put away wet, and it, that's where the bond joint's failing. Okay. And, well, and so the thing is, like, no one throws a no one throws a fit when the bottom bracket and the headset dies because I I neglected it, but I've neglected my I've neglected my crank set now. It it's propagated a crack. Um, I'm going to be mad at Shimano for giving me a new one because FSA is not going to give me a new headset if I neglect it. True. Now, the one point I would make to that, Chad, is all of us here on the show right now has bought a bike in the last say two years probably even one year right at that point when you bought that bike who informed you of the care and cleaning you should do of your bike to ensure that things are working in stay in good working order I've always bought a frame set, so I don't know <laughs> off the okay. internet. <laughs> the answer to your question is, of course, no one has told me that mm-hmm. for, I guess, my one new bike that I purchased. But, um, you know, I don't think they do the same thing. My argument all the time is cars, right? I don't know if they do that for mm-hmm. cars. So same kind of thing. It's it's you're on your own. They tell you the owner's manual. But I will say, and I've been thinking about this a little bit, Car dealers are really, really good about sending follow-up emails. Of course, they want to get you in there to, to purchase stuff, but mm-hmm. they want to see you in the service shop um, 
and they have a person who has that job to get you in to get extra work done. So, yeah. Well, Mike, to your point, I will tell you this. When I bought my car, when I first moved here, I, I bought a new car. My old car was, you know, 11 years old or something. So I said, I'm going to buy a new car. So I bought that Volkswagen, right? And at the dealership, when I bought it here in Joliet, they said, hey, you can bring your car in anytime to get cleaned at the dealership since you bought it here. You can get a car wash for free anytime. Now, like you said, of course, they want to get you into the dealership. You're waiting on the side. They start talking to you about a new car, all of the things you just mentioned. But they did tell me like, yeah, you know, bring it in. Keep it clean. That's one of the most important things you can do to maintain your car is, you know, keep it clean. That'll help with the paint. That'll help with this and that. Right. So they it, at least they mentioned it. Yeah. At least they mentioned it to me where when I've bought bikes, when I've bought full bikes or when I've bought I bought crank sets on their own, I've, you know, brand new. Right. No one said, oh, you know, you should try to keep this clean. No, no one even mentioned it. Right. I mean, you can read that in media articles about like, you know, how to care for your bike, the most important things to keep it clean, blah, blah, blah. I tell I tell people that that bring their bike to my garage. I tell them, you know, make sure you keep the drive clean, clean, keep your bike clean. That's the most important maintenance you can do. But nobody that sold me a bike has ever told me that nobody. Yeah. So I mean, not that we should necessarily expect manufacturers to create components that can last through anything, Chad, I'm not saying that. But there's not all the other cranks on the market aren't failing due to the same level of care and hard, hard life that these people are putting these bikes through. You know what I mean? Again, I, I'm thinking these bikes have been hung up pretty nasty, probably from a good winter ride. And it, it's just another part that's, that's failing due to that kind of environment. So I, I'm actually more impressed that if you have ridden a bike hard since 2012 and you have broken your crank, that without proof of receipt or anything, you could have bought this bike third hand. You're going to just take the crank in and get a new one. That's almost unheard of. You, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive recall, right? I mean, most cases you have to sh every recall I have had for a part that's like stop riding immediately. They've still wanted my receipt. Mm -hmm. I mean, this they don't even want the end. Like, okay, we'll just give you a new. One. I'm like, either Shimano is trying to do an amazing PR job, or they know that this is probably not going to be something they're going to replace a lot of cranks with which maybe indicates to me it's getting it's that clickbait for the internet just running rampant with yet another story because what what's probably the number one thing for this was it that instagram site of love shimano or thanks shimano thanks shimano yeah i have never other than that site i have never seen a failed crank in person i have yet to see one actually failed in person even though i have given someone a crank supposedly to keep their bike on the road due to this failure so Chad oh, they didn't. Me. You didn't make them send you, give you their receipt, Chad, and show you the broken crank. You just, you're just out of the niceness, the goodness of your heart. You gave them a one of the cranks from your part bin. I literally got a phone call from a buddy who I've ridden with like maybe once or twice before through a group of friends, like you know, on the weekly group ride, and they were like, "Hey, so and so says if anyone has got spare parts in their garage, it's probably you." <laughs> and <laughs> you help me out. I'm like, "Well, maybe. What's going on?" And they're like, "Well, I'm caught up in the Shimano." crank recall i'm like okay really and they were like yeah I have, I have to take my crank to you know the dealer like now i'm like oh okay and they were going to go on a group ride with us so i'd luckily ask them what do you have like chain ring size crank length size because you know everybody stocks a full set in their parts bin why not um i hobbled together a nice little 105 job crank for him and it's on his bike right now and he's i guess enjoying it happily wanted to know what i wanted for the crank i said nothing just give it back to me when you're done with it right like I'm not using it and I'm not going to charge you for it. So, man, so nice. Speaking of, speaking of 105, Chad has me worried now. You guys have seen me sweat and 105 isn't part of this recall, but it might be soon. No, it's, have you it's looked at how, it's like, <laughs> like my biggest pet peeve is GRX because they charge you all Tegra prices and build it like a 105 crank. Right. right? That's my personal pet peeve there, but you know, whatever. So those aren't going to die. I mean, the, the Dura Ace and Altegra, these are high, these are like the F1s of cranks, right? So if you want to abuse your crank and, you know, not look at it or touch it, fine, go buy 105 or Tiagra, I guess. You know, that's the thing, but you, everyone's going to complain that's a 900 gram crank, right? Like it's a 600 gram crank for Dura Ace. And if I recall, I think Dura Ace is even lighter than Red. So if you want to go to that extreme, I guess that's the price we're going to pay is a 0.6% failure rate for my crank, if ever. 
So I have one question is, so it's, it's one thing to inspect your crank and see that it's good today, but at, is there, is there anything that to say that these affected cranks will not go bad in the next few years? If you keep riding it, are you supposed to keep, keep well, inspecting it? No. And, and the, this is the other problem. This is the other problem with how Shimano rolled this out. And I can see, I can see from a chump's perspective, Chad, not someone like you that understands this stuff in great detail and has a lot of the history of bikes in your, you know, stored up in your noggin there. Someone it says that that bring so this is what's supposed to happen. They bring the crank in, they get it inspected. The bike shop says, you know what, your crank's fine. But it even says in the video what they should tell the person is what you need to do is do basic pre-ride inspections on your crank like you would any other part of your bike. Now <laughs> I don't know about you. I ride my bike every day, right? Every day. I mean, I know the basic stuff to look for, but like, to be honest, I mean, are we doing the full on pre-ride inspection that, you know, like literally I'm, I'm, I looked at, I happened to look this up for the Josh Portner podcast. When you have disc brakes, it literally says on the, you know, that little piece of paper that you get inside of a disc brake pads box that has all the regulatory crap. It like, go look at one. If you have one in your garage, it says you should inspect your brake pads before every ride to ensure that they are, they have enough material left to be able to stop you. And the acceptable le level of material is 0.5 millimeters. Who in the hell is inspecting their brake pads to that precision before every ride. Is any of you doing that? Any of you? Not my brake pads, but maybe checking your brakes is something Mike wants to start doing. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. the, the other thing, I think this failure, at least from the, the people I know that have had this failure, right? It, it's generally not instantaneous. Right. And what I know uh, that is that these, yes. these things make noise. Like you are going to know. So if you choose to make, ignore the clicking noises your bike's going to be making underneath every pedal stroke well okay but i also think you're going to find if you're washing your bike with a soap and sponge or what, yes once a week tw every two weeks i think that's acceptable i think you're going to find this thing right i I, I tend to agree with you in general so for the chumps out there like chad said you should be washing your bike on some sort of regular basis not once a year not in the spring like some sort of regular basis whether that's every two weeks or whatever depending on your riding if you get your bike really dirty and like a very muddy wet weather ride you should probably wash it before you ride it again for example but yes while you're washing your bike is the best time to find anything that could be wrong with your bike because you can just really get in there listen check things look at things inspect things closely you should use the time you wash your bike to check and that's what i do i don't inspect i don't do a pre-ride inspection every single time but when i'm washing my bike i'm looking at all of those little things to make sure that everything looks right sounds right feels right all of those things right but yes chad it is something that is going to quote unquote break down over time and you'll start to see a crack but what you just said was you have a lot of people that they lived a hard life that they're not washing it. They're not taking care of it. And that's the people that are going to be susceptible to such a thing. And I don't think that we're the normal people that are washing our bike every one or two weeks. I don't think that's the normal for people that are riding bikes. And I also, even, even among people that ride their ACE and Ultegra, because those, like you said, are the F1. So a lot of people just want to get that stuff because it's cool. It's the high end. So they want it. Doesn't mean that they're into bikes enough to know how to maintain them, know how to keep track of, you know, miles on their chains. And then they're, are they checking their chain? Like, I mean, basic stuff, people that have Ultegra, do you think, let me ask you this. Do you think the average Ultegra slash Dura Ace rider is checking their chain wear every time they wash their bike or within like a, every two week period? I, you know, Ultegra kind of, let's take a step back here. Let's, let's also, logic check here with these bikes cost, right? I mean, I think entry level, even a couple of years ago, entry level Altegra, full mechanical. I mean, we're still looking at a $4,000 bike, right? Mm -hmm. If we, mm -hmm. if we take this all the way up to Durace, that was probably a $10,000 bike in the 2012 timeframe, maybe nine. Now it's 12 or 14. So, I mean, these are not insignificant purchases, right? Yep. So Correct. I would hope somebody treats a 
$12,000 bike a little bit better with care. And it's a road bike, right? <laughs> this isn't a mountain bike. This isn't your commuter bike with fenders. I mean, it could be, I guess, if you had a really high-end custom built. But I assume that that individual probably knew what they were buying and why they were buying it. So, um, you know, do I expect someone who owns an Altegra bike or a Dura-Ace bike to probably be somewhat knowledgeable about the clicks and the creaks and do i expect them to check the chain every time no do i expect them to know what a chain wears out at some point yes and i assume they would have figured that out the first time they took it to the dealership after riding it for two years and not replacing the chain and they told them hey you need an all-new cassette and chain rings and that's your shifting problem right i mean it's i assume at some point they would find this so they're going to find all those issues i think they're going to find this they probably found I mean it. I mean, maybe, but uh, again, I, I tend to think that a lot of people and, you know, I, I saw Mike's little facial expression. There. I tend to think that a lot of people that are on even Ultegra and Dura Ace, I, I would guess the majority of them are still depending on the bike shop for their maintenance, even chain checking, even, you know, basic, basic maintenance. Right. I, I would guess. So now think about this, Chad. Think about this, this is what's happening. So these people don't know that much about bikes, but they depend on their shop, right? Fine. So they take their bike into their shop. Shop does an inspection. Shop says, well, based on the inspection, everything looks good to me. Your crank is fine. And then they have the same question Mike did. They said, well, yeah, but I'm part of the affected group of crank sets. My crank set is part of the affected group. Who's to say it's not going to fail a month from now or a year from now when I'm riding and I could potentially have a crank failure out on the road and I'm going to potentially injure myself? Who's to say that? And the dealer, based on the instruction from the Shimano dealer, from the Shimano inspection video, says to that person, well, you should make sure that you inspect your crank. Here's how you can do it. Do a pre-ride check every time. I mean, that's not very... Re and you know, reassuring. It's not very reassuring to say, well, based at this moment, I can't find anything wrong, but you should be kind of doing these sorts of checks. And if you see anything, bring it back. That's it's not why, the most reassuring thing. That's why the recall doesn't start until October 1st. They got to push all new crank sets out to all these dealers so they can prophylactically say, you know, your crank set looks fine today, but I can't guarantee anything two months from now. But what I can do is give you a new crank set that I have here on my shelf. That's why it's... Yeah, but if... I don't know if they're... I don't think that's necessarily true because, I mean, of course the dealer can do that. And... But that's risking really pissing off the person. It's like, hey, you have a crank that's part of a recall, part of a voluntary recall. It's identified. I've done the inspection and everything's fine. But it might still fail, so you might want to be doing the checks whenever you ride. Oh, but if you want, you can buy a new one for retail full MSRP and I'll install it for you. Maybe I'll even install it for free since I can probably figure out a way to charge that back to Shimano. I already took yours off and I'm charging the the labor back to Shimano anyway. So I'll maybe even install it for free, but you can buy a brand new one at MSRP. Of course, that's going to piss off the customer. So that's sort of a risky, that's a risky yeah, approach from a dealer I mean to do that. I would like to think that that's not going to happen, but we also have dealers that charge people three times to cut their seat posts. Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, dealers are not the most scrupulous. That's true. Bike shops are not always, don't have your interest at heart. That's absolutely true. And I, I could see someone doing what you just said. But but again, coming back to Shimano's, I, I still think that they should have taken action on this years ago when it was a known issue versus waiting for now and then basically saying, hey, by the way, most of these are going to be fine if it passes our subjective inspection. Just keep riding it and just keep checking on it because it might happen later. I mean, to Chad's point, for someone like me, even for someone like you guys, I don't think this is an issue. I know I will find it if it's an issue with my crank. I know it's not a problem for me. But not everybody's in the same place of us. It's not everyone's going to be feeling like, hey, it's no problem. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are thinking, oh, this is potentially affected. I want them to fix it. And if they don't, I'm pissed at them, period. I don't I don't know when this started. Like, I know where the Instagram feed was in the story, but I don't know when it started, Eric. So I'm not going to sit there and throw – I mean, was it in 2013 the first one failed? Like, I don't know. I don't know either, but it's not – it wasn't last week. I'll tell you that. It was not three weeks ago. It was. But, it's been around for a while. 
but you weren't you weren't going to fix a crank in the middle of covid because you couldn't get parts anyway and i'd argue if if everyone who had one of these cranks demanded a new crank it's not going to happen shimano isn't going to make 760,000 durace or altegra cranks in a short period of time I mean, do the math it took them a decade to make this many cranks right you're looking at 70,000 cranks a year at full tilt to replace every single one of these. So I guess tell someone, well, 10 years from now, I guess you can get a new crank. Yeah, and again, I'm not saying Shimano should replace everyone's crank. I don't want Shimano to replace my crank. I'm sure it's fine. The chances are it's fine. Even if it's not, I will know I'm not going to hurt myself. I'm very confident. So I'm not saying that they should just go out and replace everyone's crank. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that the way that this happened was not, I mean... This has been a known issue for a while, and Shimano basically chose to ignore it or not address it, period. So do I think Shimano makes fantastic group sets? Absolutely, yes. Do I think that they're always the best on PR? I think they're a very conservative company, and they oftentimes get things right, and they oftentimes don't rush to things. But in this case, they probably should have taken a little more action and nothing against them as a manufacturer of group sets, but from a perspective of how they're treating their customers, they just should have acknowledged that, yes, there was a problem with their manufacturing. And A, B, C, they could have come out back a long time ago and said, you know what, we have a problem with, maybe they should have done better research and just come out proactively and said, you know what, there's certain maintenance you need to do with your cranks. You need, you can't, put it, hang it up after it's been through the, you wrote it through the salty street in the winter, something of that nature. I don't know. But my point is they did not address this issue at the time it became known. It was a known issue. They didn't address it. They waited a long time and that's what created the problem we have today. Yeah. I did say at the beginning of this that I didn't like how they rolled this out, but I'm going to take Chad's side a little bit more here. Um, at some point in time, like a consumer has to take a bit of responsibility. Mm -hmm. Like if nothing else, like use this as like a little bit of PSA to say like, you know what? I have been neglecting my bike and I probably should like look up a YouTube video and figure out how to do like a good cleaning job and like relube my chain. And like, so hopefully if nothing else, it means we get to ride with some quieter bikes next to us in the future because people take a little bit of responsibility. And, um, but I don't think that's going to happen, but well, with a lot of things, like I work in healthcare and with a lot of things, it's like people want to blame you, but they go home and eat like Twinkies all day. It's like, you mm -hmm. got to take some responsibility for your health at some point in time. You can't I, expect me to fix a broken canvas. Like, I, I agree with that, but I don't want to put this back on the consumer. And part of the reason is Shimano has never, to my knowledge, sent out some sort of information anywhere, either in any of the manuals I've read or any of the press releases I've read or any of the information that comes around it that says, Hey, this is how you should treat your crank from a cleaning and maintenance perspective. I've never, I've never seen them saying we should do that. And I'm sure you tell your patients certain things about how they should be treating their body. And if they choose not to do it, okay, that's on them and they need to take that responsibility. But for them to take the responsibility to keep their bikes in good working order, someone needs to tell them how to do it. And like I said in the very beginning, nobody's told me how to do it when I bought a bike. I had to figure that out on my own. And I would argue that the bike industry needs to take the ownership to tell people how to maintain their bikes in a good way. Or you can't really use that as an excuse when something like this happens. Yeah, that's fair. <clears throat> you know, I, I was just reading online and I'd just like to point out that <clears throat> Shimano has had similar recalls in the past. And I wonder if Chad heard about this one, the Corsair CS400. Apparently, guys have uh, lost fish while deep deep sea fishing with this reel, Chad. <laughs> I mean, that would piss me I off. You know? That was going somewhere down. <laughs> I, I just think this is, I think there have been other recalls in the bike industry. I'm, I'm almost certain there have been other recalls of parts that have had this kind of a failure rate, this kind of seriousness to the failure rate if it occurs. But I think there was something about this particular one that this is good, juicy fodder. Like, well, you, you could die. There was an yes. Instagram account. Like, jump but, all over. Like, but, Chad, oh. but, Chad, this is my exact point. Canyon has had more recalls of far more serious issues, right? I mean, like, if your handlebar breaks off in the middle of a ride, 
I like like if I could pick, if I was to say, hey, you're gonna be riding down the street at 25 miles an hour, and one of these things is gonna happen, your crank arm is gonna break off or your handlebar is gonna break. I'm picking the crank arm every day, okay? I don't know about you, but that's what I'm picking. If I had to pick with one of those breaking during a ride. Now, Canyon issued a stop ride as soon as Matthew Vanderpool broke that handlebar. And at the time, everyone was saying, oh, man, nobody's going to like do the thing to the bike that that Matthew Van like, No normal, per- like nobody, nobody else in the world, not even other pro riders are going to put that much force to the handlebar. But Canyon went, and, and I'm not saying Shimano should have issued a stop ride back in 2017 or whenever this was, right? They, I'm not saying they should have done that. But there have been more serious recalls. My SL7 got recalled as soon as they found out there was an issue. And then, again, it wasn't a whole crank. They had to replace the compression plug or the expansion plug and the, some hardware up there. But it was a lot of work. And it was all bikes had to go in. It was a stop ride, right? The issue is not so much that there have been other recalls and this one's just juicy. It's the fact that this was a known issue and Shimano ignored it for years and then all of a sudden a recall comes out. That is the issue. That is the fundamental problem. And that's what I think where Shimano dropped the ball and they are pissing off people. I can tell you, Chad, you probably can see this in your friends. There's a lot of people pissed off saying, this is not cool what Shimano is doing. And they don't know all this context that you know. They don't know about all these other things. They just know that their bike has one of these things. They're pissed off about it. I see this amongst the, you know, chump cyclists in our in our neighborhood, in our cycling group. It's a reality. And that's part of the problem is that they did not address this as soon as it became a known issue. So, so here's the solution we should have done. They should have just completely ignored all of us. Never have issued the recall, and it would have gone away on its own because we've moved on to the new group set. I mean, pretty much, yeah. Who would have forced them? And no one would be jumping. No one would hate Shimano. That 0.6% of people would have broken cranks. And guess what? All their friends would go, well, maybe you should have washed your bike a bit more. I mean, that's where we'd go the other way. Is this what we want to have happen in the industry? I'm kind of thrilled that if I have a janky old 2012 crank running from Altegra that I could actually take it to the dealer and maybe get it fixed. I'm like, hey, (laughs) that's pretty cool to me, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I, let's. I'm just done with piling on the fodder for this. I just think. Well, whatever. what I'm, I'm not clear of, and maybe we can do some research. But as a um, not serious podcast, we're not like journalists, and we're not digging into this stuff. I'm. This was issued in conjunction with the CPSC, right, or whatever it's called, CSP, whatever you know, the Consumer Product Safety Council, right, this, right. in the U.S. So. Even in all the stories, what you saw was that this was issued in conjunction with the CPSC is only applicable to the U.S. However, other countries will be getting similar treatment, blah, 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 right? What I'm curious about is, did Shimano decide to do this voluntarily? Or was there reports of these things happening and the CPSC in the U.S. got involved and notoriously if the cpsc gets involved with something and the company doesn't want to do a recall but the cpsc gets involved it's not like the cpsc can force you to do a recall there's a lot of administrative things they have to go through to demonstrate that there is a safety risk that there is a product issue that consumers need to be protected and it's possible that in this case shimano didn't want to offer this recall but through the investigations from the cpsc in the u.s they came through and said, you know, there's been enough of these failures that we need to do, you need to do something with this or there's going to be fines and penalties and blah, blah, blah. And then they decided, OK, we're going to do that. That's what I'm curious about, because in the case of Canyon, for example, they didn't wait for the CPSC or any other agency to get involved. They issued their own stop ride warning. Same with Specialized with this SL7 headset thing, as far as I know, that they just issued their own warning once they determined it was an issue. Now, did shimano's hand get forced here and if that's the case even worse you know it's not just oh shimano realized later that they should really do this and now that's nice of them and they should have just ignored it maybe they didn't have the option i think we we would need to get more information in that on that regard there was just a lot of people like mike and i that were so fed up with defending our shram drive chains (laughs) that when this happened we just attacked and we made instagram accounts and we dialed up you know, all the media outlets and we just gave her hell. Well, the, the the only problem is this has 
absolutely zero to do with the shifting quality and the performance of the group set whatsoever. So we got to be careful talking so much about the CPSC or whatever here in the States, though, because our Italian viewers that love us so much don't L- have listeners. anything to do with that. No one's watching us. Yeah. Listeners. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, they're going to get one, too, apparently, so in hey, Italy and all the so other in the EU, probably. We've actually. talked about a Shimano recall now for almost 55 minutes. So do we have anything else to talk about or is, is this it? That, that's all I had to talk about. I figured this would take a while. So I don't know. Do you guys have anything? To talk? I mean, Mike Green has to give us a factoid. But besides that, do you have a factoid that, or do I have to bail us out yet again this week with one of my glorious stories from history? I do have a factoid. Well, hold on. I just want to basically quick before you get to the factoid for the chumps out there, probably by the time you listen to this, this will already be resolved. But for you, but if you do have a Shimano Ultega or Dura Ace crank, what I would say 11 is yes, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 11 speed specifically. And in fact, it's not even all 11 speeds because again, there are I, I have Ultega cranks in my garage right now that are quote unquote, okay, they're not part of the affected range. So it's even specific date production range of um, Ultegra and Dura-Ace 11 speed cranks. If you have these cranks, there's, I, I don't think you need to panic is what I'm saying. There's a very, very low probability that you're going to have a, even an affected one. And even if it's affected there, you have a low probability that it's going to, you know, fail spectacularly to the point of causing some sort of injury or other serious side effect. I really don't think you need to worry that much about it. I think what you should do is be diligent and determine, do I have a crank that's an issue and go through the process, get the inspection. If your crank is making noises or you see clear cracks in it, or if you, you know, if you're around here, you want me to look at it or whatever, I would say do your due diligence around it. But I don't think you need to just stop riding your bike and just, you know, panic and think that that you're going to die if you get on the bike. I mean, like I said, I rode 90 miles on my quote unquote affected crank today, and I didn't even think about it once. I would say if your crank set falls within that range, keep your RPMs, your cadence above like 140. So there's not a lot of (laughs) torque on those arms. (laughs) And... If you're, if you, somebody mentioned, like, you know, this thing's going to be squeaking, you're going to be ignoring it. If, this, if you're having a failed crank, I think Chad said it. So if your bike is making noise when you're riding it, please do us all a favor and clean it and give it a nice once over, inspect your cranks and lube your chain. And I thank you. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, <laughs> I mean, even if those bonds go bad, will they, will it actually make a noise? I wouldn't rule it out. But I'm not saying my whole point for our listeners is it's not a hundred percent guarantee that. Yeah, it, it could out. fail without making a noise. Right, right. That's true. It could fail without making a noise. But to Chad's point, if you're inspecting that thing regularly, if you're washing it, you probably will see signs of separation. You probably feel a crack that you didn't feel before. And even if it cracks, a lot of the pictures I've seen, it's cracking down near where the pedal um you know, the pedal thread is, it's not necessarily the separation at the spider. And even if that happens, it's probably not going to crack in, in your ride spectacularly enough for you to lose control of your bike. Obviously you're not going to, you're probably not going to be able to ride it, just just throw a zip tie around the crank, hold it together. No, but I mean, if it cracks while you're pedaling, I I suspect it's not like a full separation. Your crank's not like coming out and your foot is suddenly just completely loose with a piece of crank stick into it. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Like my point is it's serious that you should, you should take it serious. You should get it checked out. You should do all of the steps for sure. But I don't think it's something that you need to panic about or feel. Now, do you want to be pissed off at Shimano? Great. I'm not going to tell you not to be pissed off at Shimano about this, but I mean, if you like riding your bike, I don't think you need to just suddenly say, Oh, I can't ride my bike. I don't think that's necessarily the case. And I, I don't think you should, Chad mentioned earlier in the show that it was somewhat overblown and I would I would agree it's somewhat overblown in terms of the um the reaction to the specific issue if you want to be I'm not sure it's overblown in terms of the back backlash towards Shimano but the the reaction to the specific issue I think take it serious but don't don't let it ruin your your cycling life that's that's my take 
So they really should have waited for a bigger media day. So this wouldn't have been the only thing to talk about for the week. They should have waited like when the new well, SLA dropped or something, right? Yeah. The the best thing about it was the same week that Shimano announced this recall was again, if you go back to the very beginning of our episode here, I mentioned that Sepp Kuss won the Welta and that happened more or less during the same week as the recall. And SRAM was able to put out marketing that their group set won all six grand tours this year, all three men's grand tours, all three women's grand tours, all won on a SRAM bike the same week that Shimano uh, announced their uh, group set recall. So that worked out well for SRAM. So what do you got, Mike Green? What's the factoid? And it better be better than last week. <laughs> today, I like the one last week. <laughs> I don't even remember what that was, but today's factoid is about tensile strength. Is, is that seriously your factoid? That was, that was the <laughs> I had this week, man. Uh, all right. All right, let's hear yours. You, you are so lucky that I... Wow. Have, that I have these topical bits of history. So not oh, only wow. is it topical, but, but the story I have for you today actually has kind of a little bit of a tangential tie-in to Oktoberfest, which I believe this is kind of the end of actual Oktoberfest going on right now in yep, Germany. Yep. So if we actually go back, and we were talking, I think, about braking systems at some point. So if we go back in the history of braking systems, right? So when we started rim brakes, they were actually like a wooden brake with a cork pad, which was pretty much awful. And probably was equivalent to when you ride your carbon rim in the rain today, right? It didn't stop very well. So there was a there was a British gentleman, his name is John Sterney, and he wanted to find a solution to this problem. He wanted to actually have a robust braking system that would actually work in all weather and all climates. So he started to kind of patent this device and he was calling it the reticulating drum friction disc machine. And it was a little bit of a catchy name there. I wasn't sure that was going to get caught on, but when he designed it initially, he actually used a cork friction material on the inside. Well, it didn't do any better in the reticulating machine that he invented as it did on wooden rims at the time. So he was kind of stumped one night and he's sitting at the local uh, sitting at the local pub and he kind of has an epiphany moment. So when he's at the pub, there were these little caps that were put on top of early beer steins, kind of meant to be somewhat of a hygienic solution to the time of the problem so you didn't get stuff in your beer and anyway these things were called beer mats well they were kind of made out of unique material so they didn't kind of break down under the alcohol and whatnot in the bar and he thought hmm it's kind of like cork but it's a little bit stiffer so he went ahead and he stuck these beer mats in his reticulating drum device whatever you want to call it and lo and behold it lasted way longer than the cork that he was using so he's like that's it this is the thing this is when we put in the reticulating drum device Lo and behold, the beer mat has a name. Well, the beer mat is known in Germany and every place else as the beer mat. I think even in Australia, it's known as the beer mat. But actually, if you're in Britain or you're in the United States, the beer mat has another name. It's called a coaster. <laughs> what he had invented, friends, was the coaster break. <laughs> wow. Wow. That is pretty amazing. That, was... <laughs> that might be true. <laughs> That was even better than the head tube setup, Chad. That's Chad's best. That, for sure. Holy moly! These are, you should look these up. I'm telling you, there's you Google gotta it. you gotta check my stories on the internet for their validity. Google it. Wow. Google it. There you go. Coaster break. Tell all your friends about it. That that is an impressive impressive story. So Eric, to conclude our podcast, if anyone liked it, should they give us some star rating or something on one of the media forums they've found us on? That's absolutely right, Chad. If you are liking what you're hearing, please, please, please give us a rating and leave us a review on whatever podcast app, wherever you're finding this podcast, wherever you're listening from, whether it be Italy or any other country, we would greatly appreciate that. But more than that, we would definitely even morally, more greatly appreciate you telling your friends and family, getting us more listeners, reach out to us, send us a message on the uh, Velo Chumps Instagram page. Tell us what you want to hear about. We're happy to accommodate. So please, please, please help us grow the show, rating reviews, tell your family and friends. And uh, that's it. That's that's what we're looking for. And Thanks, if Chad. If you've had you know, a favorite episode, make a post in Strava so all your Strava friends can see it. <laughs> yeah. You know, the other good thing we could do to see how far this goes with the evilness of the internet is let's post a picture of one of these failed cranks in the Bellow Chumps 
Instagram page. Yeah. And I have comments of who's actually had one of these fail that was nice to it. I'd like to see how far this can go. Oh, I'm, really? That's what I'm, you want us to do, Chad? I'm, oh, wow. I want to be proven wrong because so far I'm pretty sure every single one of these cranks has lived a hard life. Like it's been hitting curbs. It's been seeing road salt. It's probably been sweated to death. It, it was not treated well. So. All right. All right. That's fair. We'll do that. We'll see what we can get. That might be a good way to drive up some engagement. It might actually like get people to hate us, but it might drive up some engagement. Let's see what we can do. All right, guys. All right. Good show. Hopefully, we'll be back next week, and we won't talk about a Shimano recall for the entire show. All right, guys. Later. Hey, have you even been listening to what I've been saying? I've been talking to you for the last 10 minutes.